0: Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.
1: And we're back. We are back. Andrea Sementov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I hope you don't hear too much clicking going on. In I, I don't know about you people listening in. Um, I am still not 100% post-COVID. Many, it's a long time already. I mean, and I still have that kind of that nagging cough. I'm taking everything. I'm doing everything. And um, feeling foo-foo-foo, foo-foo-foo, much, much better. But the coughing, and I thought this really is not, does not, my team does not befit um, the airways. Okay, so the question here is, oh, first of all, the other thing is, remember, you have an idea, you have a question, you want to get onto the mailing list, the mailing list, my once-a-month article, that's the mailing list. Um, and uh, you want to have some of the sources of some of the stories that I talk about on the show. Delighted to interact. You can write to me, Andrea, at com. With rare exception, I get back to you pretty, pretty quickly. All right, so we talked about the dogs that are... Hairing up the house. So, the question I have today for everybody listening in I thought, is have you prayed yet? Did you pray yet today? For those of us who are Jewish, did you open your eyes and say, um, or did you, anybody, open your eyes and say, wow, look what I've been granted? I was thinking about it recently. You know, we hear so often when people are trying to manipulate outcomes or hoping or praying for change. They say, I, I really am praying for change. I, I want um I, I know that we do this in our personal lives. We try to um press our points. In a family discussion, we want something to turn out our way, and we kind of um, apply some machinations, 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 Um, Macarena. We try to manipulate outcomes, and then I hear people say, when it comes to elections, when it comes to enemies of our state, when it comes to finance, when it comes to health, they say, well, I did this and I did that, but you know what? It's out of my hands. At least I can pray. I can always pray as though it's some kind of a last resort. You know what I want to share with you? And we learn this from the blueprint of our lives, the Torah. Prayer is the first task. It Prayer represents that front line of morality, of hope of action, of peace, of tranquility in our corner of the world, whether that be figurative or literal. Wherever we are located, the first thing we do is pray. Then you can pick up the phone, call the right doctors, call the right realtors, call the right bankers. (laughs) Okay, so when I sit and I say, did you pray yet today? I'm also speaking to myself sharing something before we go to my uh, bevy of articles. So I'm sharing, I'm confiding, confiding, don't tell anyone. I sort of felt frustrated. I kind of had this urge to do some good. It kind of had that niggling, nagging, you know, everything in my life is nice. I have four walls. I'm making the mortgage for better or for worse, although last month was kind of catchy, you know, it kind of iffy. Um, children are doing their things. Even if they're not calling, they're healthy. Grandchildren are doing okay. My mother is being taken care of. Things are good. And I thought, what can I do? What can I do to make it better? Like, you know, having three jobs isn't enough. I would love to go work in a soup kitchen, um, I see here, anytime I visit the hospitals, I see the volunteers are amazing. They have these volunteer departments at Shari Tzedek. And one of the volunteers, they walk around with books. They walk around with nosh. Um, I guess you don't go into like, you know, you don't feed sugar products to people that are suffering from illness. But they bring out snacks. They sit around. They read. They just sit and provide um, companionship. So there's a lot of those opportunities. And a few years ago, I had forgotten about it, I signed up, I'm laughing because, you know, again, I'm I'm absent-minded, I signed up to be a potential participant in medical trials that might pertain to me in whatever station I find myself in in life. And I suddenly, I received a note last week that I was a candidate to be considered for a very long time, a multi-decade medical trial on um, um, Parkinson's disease and Parkinson's treatments, they need some healthy um, um, trial participants. So, God willing, I'm going to keep you filled in. I have to go to Tel Aviv, to Ichilov Hospital next week. I signed a lot of documents and um, a lot of medical tests, a lot of things I have to sign, nothing. I'm not going to have to take any medicine. The only thing that gives me the willies, and I'm sharing this with you because I'm very nervous about it. It's not happening. There's going to be a lot of CAT scanning, that kind of thing, but there's going to be a... I don't know what they even call it, a lumbar, where they they take out fluid from your spine. And this is very freaky. I mean, I never had, foo, 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 six children, I never had an epidural to give birth. Not because I wanted pain, but I was so nauseated by the idea of a a needle in my spine. So I'm going to have to do that. So I'll keep you posted. But I'm thinking, let me know what kind of chesed opportunities good deed opportunities are you thinking about participating can you do in your corner of the world drop me a note love to hear from you i'd like to give some shout outs and um share your ideas again soup kitchens, hospital volunteering. We have kiosks, book kiosks on the corners all over Jerusalem where people come. And not only do they donate their books, but complete strangers come and cull the collections and throw out anything that's ripped. And they really keep it very organized. It's such a beautiful chesed, kindness that we tend to overlook it. All right. So we talked about prayer. We talked about volunteering opportunity. One other thing before we're going to go to our first break. <sighs> social media, we can't hide from it. We can't avoid it. It's all over. I, I mean, perhaps, you know, we talked last week about, I think, the, that Japanese soldier who was hiding for 27 years. He didn't know about social media. But other than that, everybody knows. And I have to tell you, I'm a real sucker for wonderful social media. And I love it. I love it when it works. But you know, there's a certain sensitivity that I think is important that we think about. Because do we even know what smarmy smells like or tastes like? And do we know that there's a cost? I frequently think about the women, the young women parading before King Achishveros during the Purim story, and how Esther stood out to him. And she came, she was very plainly adorned. She refused all the makeup. I think maybe she wore a pair of, like, you know, diamond zirconia studs, but really did not want to stand out. And her simplicity, her purity, her Bolette, glaring um, modesty among the schmutz stood out. And I think about this very often because there's so much smarminess that we may not even know when we get that little itch, that little mega red, that something doesn't feel right, that something is polluting our soul? Are we too jaded? Are we too filled with filth already from the social media, the world of TikTok, the world of tweets, the world of Instagram, that we can't even recognize it? So if we can sensitize ourselves to get the ping, that that smarmy twinge when something does not seem consistent with Torah to delete it. Delete it from our souls. We're so darn careful what we put into our bodies. We're so careful what we put onto our bodies. Women are very nervous about hair dyeing today because tests have proven that through the scalp is so porous, so much gets in. So when we get that twinge to understand, to delete, and when we delete that friend, who is a friend, quote-unquote friend, a real friend, that person who is polluting our um, feed with things that are not representative of what we want the world to appear, delete them and put a coin in the pushka, a coin in the tzedakah box and utter a prayer, a prayer of contrition, a prayer of thanks. Every once in a while, I ask all of you because I'm asking it of myself to cull cull the ugly cull the obscene cull the immodest that's in our world whether it's in our closets whether it's in our refrigerators whether it's on our social media if we know too much about the Kardashians or who Britney is or what Johnny Depp supposedly did we have work to do all right And today, when we go on, we're going to talk more about, you know, I'm sure that anybody who's following the Israel knows news, the news knows that once again, surprise, surprise, our government is in upheaval. The current Knesset was disbanded. Um, Yair Lapid is acting prime minister. We have months ahead until October of election propaganda coming up. And so we have to be really, really vigilant in the smarm department. Um, what do you think about what's going on in Israel? You have any? Do you think our right wing is very much a right wing station? Do you think our right wing is holy? My name is Andrea Simenchov. We have so much more to speak about on the other side. Okay, we're back. Andrea Semintov, pull up a chair, Israel News Talk Radio.com. Okay, so um, I did mention in passing, again, I'm prefacing this and saying, not that politics isn't my thing. Unfortunately, this house, if you were a fly on the wall, you could join the other flies, that's for sure, and the other probably rodents. But anyway, if you were a fly on the wall in this house, you would hear politics being discussed. But it's there are so many programs that do it so I'm not sure that this is English so much better than I do and I'm really a very wishy-washy person when it comes to this because I love everyone I root for everyone I root for every team and it's you know I always have to sit on the center line when we go to sports games you know I feel bad when the away team the the visiting teams are getting jeered you know I kind of like quietly cheer for them so having said that there's something about this government the 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 rallying cry that it was so such a deeply divisive what was supposed to be an incredible unity government which stank from the get-go in my opinion and um, they were just holding up the banner of unity unity and of course the unity, was very nerve-wracking to a great majority of Israelis because that unity gave the Arab parties enormous power in the Knesset of the Jewish country. So the only thing I would share right now is that, um, well, you know what? Keep your eyes open. Don't count on this show to fill in the blanks for you. Read all the read all the news there is. Don't only read um, the Jerusalem Post. Don't only read Times of Israel. Don't only read Ynet, although you should. But I would strongly suggest you never read Haaretz, and not because. I have anything I'm I'm thinking, I'm really very off script and we can hear this now, not because I'm opposed to hearing opposing views, but I don't think that one should read a paper online or offline can you even get it offline, can you buy it of of a media organ that seems to be hellbent on destroying the land of Israel um the thing that did pique my interest this morning, which would be actually a very classy move and <laughs> astoundingly un-Israeli, is according to the Times of Israel, uh, I don't know when this article came out, uh, very late last night, Bennett, Naftali Bennett, is said to be considering a time-out from politics and not running in the next election. I'm laughing because that's almost never been heard of before. Nobody, once you enter the political scene in Israel, you're just here until death. Okay, Admei of Esrim, nobody should croak early, but nobody disappears. They just stay and they rehash. So this would be very, very classy. Although I must tell you, I do feel a little bit jaded. And I feel jaded because... um, Natalie Bennett historically was very much a front and center and articulate member of the right wing camp not even the center right but the you know yamina right and um politics must have really hit him on the head because he kind of whored his way toward the center and it doesn't sound so noble so altruistic to me and my jaded thinking that he's uh taking time off i think he's weigh- weighing his options and trying to find a way to get back into his more um internal ideological home of course only time will tell the elections will take place in right after the Jewish high holy days. I wonder if our prayers, our tefila is supposed to help us make better decisions. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> again, the Torah is not a democracy. And probably one of the ugliest parts about Israel is that it considers itself a democracy. Enough politics. Let's talk about a lovely, excuse me, woohoo moment. Here we go came across an adorable article. Anybody listening in, uh, drop me a note. Anybody listening in from Chicago? I happen to be a little bit familiar with Chicago. I have a very darling, dear first cousin living there. And his children went to the Ida Crown School and the Ari Crown Hebrew Day School, an Orthodox Jewish school in Skokie. Some of you may actually know what I'm going to talk about, so. Apparently, um, when even was this? Very recently, there was a day trip, a school trip f- to Washington, D.C. from Chicago, from the Ari Crown, eighth grade boys. There is a huge musa, a huge lesson in this. <coughs> Pardon me. We're judged on how we behave. So this. Amazing group of eighth grade boys from the yeshiva went to to uh, Washington D.C. and there was a bus driver, and the bus driver picked them up in Washington D.C. Oh yeah, it was early May last month, and the boys were polite and they were friendly and they were they were just moral and cute and wholesome and they sang songs, and instead of ignoring the bus driver whose name is Bill riddick okay uh very handsome i think somewhere in his early 60s a handsome tall african-american man who's been driving the bus for oh decades anyway he picked up these boys and he was so impressed with them and the boys included him in their songs and they taught him hebrew songs and um And Mr. Riddick said, you know, it's not my first time driving Jewish boys, but there was so much love. We just clicked. So the boys from Chicago began singing. He joined them. He picked up the Hebrew words. He said there was so much fun. They were mannerly. There was love. They spent three days together. Okay. The students and they exchanged their farewells. Some of them gave them their email addresses and they told him, guess what? Our eighth grade graduation is coming up soon, and it's really so sad you can't be there. A couple of days later, Mr. Riddick, the bus driver, phoned their school to find out the date of the graduation, and he booked a flight to Chicago so he could attend. So Rabbi Yosef Kohn was one of the first people to see him at the graduation ceremony. He didn't tell anyone. He just surprised everyone. He walked in. And the valedictorian, speech, you know, gave him a shout out and said how much love there was and how happy they were to have him. We're really talking about character traits, behaving with honor. The school hosted this lavish graduation dinner and party, and he was really a participant. He led some of the dancing and he even gave an impromptu speech at the graduation and he said, The reason I went is that they showed me so much love. I wanted to go there. The dinner was excellent, full of singing. And during the meal, the rabbis approached Mr. Riddick and they offered to pay for his flight and hotel. Mr. Riddick's answer, I said, no, I didn't come to get anything. I pay my own way. I did everything from the heart. So in closing on this story, um, Rabbi Sha'anan Gelman um, he was one of the many parents at the graduation and he said, would we be willing to go the extra mile like Mr. Riddick did? Are you getting dressed and going to the event or celebration for a friend you're not that close to? He notes that particularly now and so many people are used to being cautious because of COVID, it's very easy to let no become our default answer. You know, I have to tell you, coming from me, there's so many things I'm so happy not to go to and I've been using No, I've been using COVID, I won't say as my excuse, but as my raison d'etre, not to participate in life. Mr. Riddick reminded us, says uh, Rabbi Gelman, how important it is to simply be there for another person, to show someone that they're loved, that they're important to you, and this is someone who taught us to go the extra mile. That's what I was talking about. What can we pick, choose, choose, glean select and opt into today to make the world a better place loved that happy story okay we have two minutes left came across this article i think it was psychology today i'll have to check it out but it says 10 characteristics of mentally healthy people here's what a mentally healthy person looks like in every day but the point is and i'm going to race through this is as i'm reading this article this go to how to I'm looking and I'm saying, if something is right, it is Torah. So, here, this article from Psychology Today, which is not a religious treatise, totally agrees with Torah. Number 10, you wake up every day and feel grateful for something. Number 9, you have something you look forward to doing or experiencing. Huh, what about our blueprint? Number 8, you let go of anger and you do not spend time holding grudges against others who have hurt you. Number seven, you enjoy the simple things in life. Number six, you keep trying when the going gets tough. If I can extrapolate, it is not for us to give up the task. Number five, you help others around you. Number four, you take care of yourself. Number three, you have good boundaries in your relationships. Two, you are not envious of what others have. Number one, you can be happy for others even when your own life is challenging. I studied, I read the bio of the author trying to find out, is this a rabbi? Is this a Rebbitzin? Is this a yeshiva teacher, a yeshiva bachar? No, it is somebody who just is following the blueprint. My name is Andrea Simintov. See you
2: and personal power
1: okay we're back I cannot believe it we're in the last segment the time is flying. There were so many things that we wanted to get. I just found that very fascinating. When something is accurate, when something is true, when something is moral, and when something is wholesome, we can be pretty certain it is consistent with Torah. And if something just, again, smarm factor, let's um, sensitize ourselves to that, this one, you can be pretty sure it is not that consistent with Torah. All right. This is one of my favorite parshas, Torah portions this week. This week, we are reading here in Israel the Torah portion of Korach. And I, you have to <laughs> forgive me. Every time, you see the media, how it jades us. Every time I think about Korach, I get this vision of Edward G. Robinson Jewish actor who used to play in gangster films, playing Korach in the 1954 epic called The Ten Commandments, raising his arms. And and he was like short. He had like a little Lieberman thing going on there. But anyway, he would raise his arms and say, you, Moses, have betrayed the people. It was okay. So I have to like just get that. Image out, and it's very hard to undo. Again, we're very much products of the media, so we're not talking about Edward G. Robinson. We are talking about the real Korach. So, in this week, the 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 portion, and I'm going to use the Hebrew. Please let me say parsha. It's very hard for me to do the English. You know, to transfer into the English here. Uh, the parsha begins with a rebellion of Korach and his followers. Now, there are a lot of commentaries arguing over why Korach began his uprising in the first place. But most agree that his objective was to better his condition and those of his followers in the hierarchy of um, service to God, of avodat Hashem. Now, understand, he was a very wealthy man. He was a very powerful man. He was a community leader. Now, on the surface, we could even conclude that Korach was really not as bad as Jewish history made him out to be. Granted, his actions were unlawful. They were indeed treasonous. But his intentions to seek justice on the surface seemed quite pure. Why was he so wrong in his actions that he merited the death penalty? And why was it executed in such a supernatural fashion? Okay, stay with me because you'll get to it. I'm not going to give a, uh, we're not going to give a spoiler alert if you're unfamiliar with the um, Parsha. Korach's mission indicated even a more dangerous threat to B'nai Yisrael. By deciding for himself that he could be the greatest prince or even a greater Kohen, uh, a high priest, than Aharon, Moses' brother, he was attempting to uproot Moshe's authority as a messenger of Hashem. The challenge was not, he didn't just challenge Moshe, but in fact, he was going toe-to-toe with God. And his authority in and his authority in selecting Moshe as his messenger, in undermining Hashem, Korach sought to challenge and deny the fundamental basis of Jewish belief. There are no two ways about it. He merited the death penalty. There's a view that Korach simply denied the authority of Hashem. As Moshe says, if these men die, the common death of all men, then Hashem has not sent me. Moshe realizes that it was God who was the target of Korach's actions and that extreme measures had to be applied. Let's just take a moment and think about this. Is God just merely another player in the political arena? Are we talking about a democracy? Is God to be voted in or voted out? His original claim, Korach, was a complete facade. The underlying threat was to Hashem's supremacy. It is clear that one who is um, denies the essence of the Torah, is deserving of the death penalty. But why in such a supernatural manner, here it comes, drum roll, as the earth swallowing him and his followers whole? According to the Malbim, in keeping with his earlier commentary, Korach, who was a very well-known figure, he was publicly challenging God's sovereignty, thereby necessitating an equally public miracle to occur eye for eye public public everyone who witnessed his public opposition also witnessed the public execution by heaven b'nai yisrael now knew what penalty awaited those who would follow in the footsteps of korach um The Sforno adds that, uh, what did I see here? That those who didn't actively participate with Korach would nonetheless still be vulnerable to destruction were they to remain in the vicinity of Korach. For we have a principle, woe to the wicked and woe to his neighbor. Again, this takes us back to what we talk about with um, social media. We cannot remain in filth and think ourselves immune. We are not immune if our surroundings are poisoned, whether they be figurative, literal, spiritual, or physical. Now, others use a different approach. They say, as Korach and his followers allowed their mouths to run wild, so too did the mouth of the earth open to exact retribution. The Torah says, quote, All the Israelites fled at the sound. Take that in for a moment. It is not so much the act itself of the earth opening that frightened them, but the fact that the ultimate punishment could be exacted on speech alone. The sounds of their mouths and what the mouths uttered. Sometimes I just shake when I think of what the sound of the earth opening up must have been. I, I, I don't really can't go there. So anyway, both the Midrash and the Gemara and Gemara Pesachim comment that the earth swallowed up. Drum roll. Swallowed up not only Korach, but all of his possessions as well. Why was this necessary? Korach was a wealthy man. And wealth led him to conceit, and conceit led him to make these challenges. Be- unlike his 250 followers who were burned, Korach had to be devoured along with his possessions in order to demonstrate, to set a visual example of the corrupting powers of wealth and the consequences of of unbridled materialism you know a common denominator emerges um in my opinion correct me if i'm wrong uh from the above mentioned commentaries and from it an important and fundamental lesson cannot be ignored this is the first time that a threat to hashem's very existence is brought directly to both moshe and to klal Yisrael, you know, the people of Israel, the community, a great miraculous punishment was meted out in the form of a great devouring. From these readings, you know, we're made not only aware of the inherent, the wrongness of denying a fundamental tenet of our religion, but also we must be attentive not to cause other innocents to question their own beliefs as well. You know, if I step away from my script a moment, I frequent, actually not so frequently, but they have these new institutions I've heard of called a secular yeshiva. Anybody listening knows that? Where people study the words of the Torah and the writings, um, but but. There's no prerequisite to believe in a God in heaven or in the primacy, premiership of the Torah. You can't have it both ways. Now, let's see. There are always... um, yeah. So when we're talking about leadership, you know, there are always differences with a team regarding the role and the efficacy of leadership and leaders. You know, all leaders are subject to criticism and second guessing. We see what's happening here in Israel. It comes with a job. You can't escape it. But still, when the criticism descends to the level of personal abuse, when it's motivated by jealousy and other susceptible causes, criticism then crosses the line of acceptability and becomes almost slander. Moshe is shocked by the ferocity of the attack on him. He's the most humble of human beings. He shirked power. He begged God to allow someone else to lead the the people. Moses responds in order to justify himself. He's upset. He said, I have not taken anything from anybody. I have not lived at the public trials. I am not guilty of any corruption. I have been as selfless as I can. But when it comes to a Korach, this is not the issue. I want to, before we go today, I want to give us all our Shabbos assignment. We call this from the Torah to your table section. Because I know that we're going to be talking about it at our Shabbos table. And I encourage you to do the same. Rashi explains the key reason for the Korach rebellion against Moshe is that he was envious of another relative who received honor when he didn't. Envy is destructive, says Rabbi Zelig Pliskin. It prevents a person from enjoying what he himself has. When you focus on the success of another person and feel pain because of it, you're likely to do things that are counterproductive. Envy will destroy us. Discuss how we can overcome this by focusing on what we have. Shabbat Shalom, umivorach, from
0: Jerusalem. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the Israel News Talk Radio dot home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest. And join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio. And you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us.
2: We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? Israel.